Chapter Sixteen of My Book of Favorite Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. My Book of Favorite Fairy Tales by Edric Vredenberg. Thumbling. There was once a poor woodman sitting by the fire in his cottage and his wife sat by his side spinning How lonely it is said he for you and me to sit here by ourselves without any children to play about and amuse us While other people seem so happy and merry with their children What you say is very true said the wife sighing and turning her wheel How happy should I be if I had but one child? And if it were ever so small, nay, if it were no bigger than my thumb, I should be very happy and love it dearly. Now it came to pass that this good woman's wish was fulfilled just as she desired, for some time afterwards she had a little boy, who was quite healthy and strong, but not much bigger than my thumb. So they said, Well, we cannot say we have not got what we wished for, and, little as he is, we will love him dearly and they called him Thumbling. They gave him plenty of food, yet he never grew any bigger, but remained just the same size as when he was born. Still, his eyes were sharp and sparkling, and he soon showed himself to be a clever little fellow who always knew well what he was about. One day, as the woodman was getting ready to go into the wood to cut fuel, he said, I wish I had someone to bring the cart after me, for I want to make haste. Oh, father, cried Thumbling, I will take care of that. The cart shall be in the wood by the time you want it. Then the woodman laughed and said, How can that be? You cannot reach up to the horse's bridle. Never mind that, father, said Thumbling. If my mother will only harness the horse, I will get into his ear and tell him which way to go. Well, said the father, we will try for once. When the time came, the mother harnessed the horse to the cart and put Thumbling into its ear, and as he sat there, the little man told the beast how to go, crying out, Go on, and stop, as he wanted. So the horse went on, just as if the woodman had driven it himself into the wood. It happened that, as the horse was going a little too fast, and Thumbling was calling out, Gently, gently, two strangers came up. What an odd thing that is, said one. There is a cart going along, and I heard a carter talking to the horse, but can see no one. That is strange, said the other. Let us follow the cart and see where it goes. So they went on into the wood, till at last they came to the place where the woodman was. Then Thumbling, seeing his father, cried out, See, father, here I am, with the cart, all right and safe. Now, take me down. So his father took hold of the horse with one hand, and with the other took his son out of the ear. Then he put him down upon a straw, where he sat as merry as you please. The two strangers were all this time looking on, and did not know what to say for wonder. At last one took the other aside and said, That little urchin will make our fortune if we can get him and carry him about from town to town as a show. We must buy him. So they went to the woodman and asked him what he would take for the little man. 
He will be better off, said they, with us than with you. I won't sell him at all, said the father. My own flesh and blood is dearer to me than all the silver and gold in the world. But Thumbling, hearing of the bargain they wanted to make, crept up his father's coat to his shoulder and whispered in his ear, Take the money, father, and let them have me. I'll soon come back to you. So the woodman at last agreed to sell Thumbling to the strangers for a large piece of gold. Where do you like to sit? said one of them. Oh, put me on the rim of your hat. That will be a nice gallery for me. I can walk about there and see the country as we go along. So they did as he wished, and when Thumbling had taken leave of his father, they carried him away with them. They journeyed on till it began to be dusky, and then the little man said, Let me get down. I'm tired. So the man took off his hat and set him down on a clod of earth in a ploughed field by the side of the road. But Thumbling ran about amongst the furrows and at last slipped into a mouse hole. Good night, masters, said he. I'm off. Mind and look sharp after me the next time. They ran directly to the place and poked the ends of their sticks into the mouse hole, but all in vain. Thumbling only crawled further and further in, and at last it became quite dark, so they were obliged to go their way without their prize, as sulky as you please. When Thumbling found they were gone, he came out of his hiding place. What dangerous walking it is, said he, in this ploughed field. If I were to fall from one of these great clods, I should certainly break my neck. At last, by good chance, he found a large empty snail shell. This is lucky, said he. I can sleep here very well. And in he crept. Just as he was falling asleep, he heard two men passing, and one said to the other, How shall we manage to steal that rich parson's silver and gold? I'll tell you, cried Thumbling. What noise was that? said the thief, frightened. I am sure I heard someone speak. They stood still, listening and Thumbling said, Take me with you, and I'll soon show you how to get the parson's money. But where are you? said they. Look about on the ground, answered he, and listen where the sound comes from. At last the thieves found him out, and lifted him up in their hands. You little urchin, said they, what can you do for us? Why, I can get between the iron window bars of the parson's house, and throw you out whatever you want. That's a good thought, said the thieves. Come along, we shall see what you can do. When they came to the parson's house, Thumbling slipped through the window bars into the room, and then called out as loudly as he could bawl, Will you have all that is here? At this the thieves were frightened, and said, Softly, softly, speak low, that you may not awaken anybody. But Thumbling pretended not to understand them, and bawled out again, How much will you have? Shall I throw it all out? Now the cook lay in the next room, and hearing a noise, she raised herself in her bed and listened. Meanwhile, the thieves were frightened and ran off a little distance. But at last they plucked up courage and said, The little urchin is only trying to make fools of us. So they came back and whispered softly to him, saying, Now let us have no more of your jokes, but throw out some of the money. Then Thumbling called out as loudly as he could, Very well, hold out your hands, here it comes. The cook heard this quite plainly, so she sprang out of bed 
and ran to open the door. The thieves rushed off as if there were a wolf at their heels, and the maid, having groped about and found nothing, went away for a light. By the time she returned, Thumbling had slipped off into the barn, and when the cook had looked about and searched every hole and corner and found nobody, she went to bed thinking she must have been dreaming with her eyes open. The little man crawled about in the hayloft and at last found a glorious place to finish his night's rest in, so he laid himself down, meaning to sleep till daylight, and then find his way home to his father and mother. But alas, how cruelly he was disappointed! What crosses and sorrows happen in this world? The cook got up early, before daybreak, to feed the cows. She went straight to the hayloft and carried away a large bundle of hay with the little man in the middle of it fast asleep. He still, however, slept on and did not wake till he found himself in the mouth of the cow, who had taken him up with a mouthful of hay. Good lack a day, said he. How did I manage to tumble into the mill? But he soon found out where he really was and was obliged to have all his wits about him in order that he might not get between the cow's teeth and so be crushed to death. At last she swallowed him down. It's rather dark in here, said he. They forgot to build windows in this room to let the sun in. A candle would be no bad thing. Though he made the best of his bad luck, he did not like his quarters at all. And the worst of it was that more and more hay was always coming down, and the space in which he was became smaller and smaller. At last he cried out as loudly as he could, Don't bring me any more hay! Don't bring me any more hay! The maid happened to be just then milking the cow, and hearing someone speak and seeing nobody, and yet being quite sure it was the same voice that she had heard in the night, she was so much frightened that she fell off her stool and overset the milk pail. She ran off as fast as she could to her master, the parson, and said, Sir, sir, the cow is talking. But the parson said, Woman, thou art surely mad. However, he went with her into the cowhouse to see what was the matter. Scarcely had they set their feet on the threshold when Thumbling called out, Don't bring me any more hay. Then the parson himself was frightened, and thinking the cow was surely bewitched, ordered that she should be killed directly. So the cow was killed, and the part in which Thumbling lay was thrown away. Thumbling soon set himself to work to get out, which was not a very easy task, but at last, just as he had made room to get his head through, a new misfortune befell him. A hungry wolf passed by, and swallowed Thumbling and all at a single gulp, and ran away. Thumbling, however, was not disheartened, and thinking the wolf would not dislike having some chat with him as he was going along, he called out, My good friend, I can show you a famous treat. Where's that? said the wolf. In such and such a house, said Thumbling, describing his father's house. You can crawl through the drain into the kitchen, and there you will find cakes, ham, beef, and everything your heart can desire. The wolf did not want to be asked twice, so that very night he went to the house and crawled through the drain into the kitchen, and ate and drank there to his heart's content. As soon as he was satisfied, he wanted to get away, but he had eaten so much that he could not get out the same way that he came in. This was just what Thumbling had reckoned upon, 
and he now began to set up a great shout, making all the noise he could. "'Will you be quiet?' said the wolf. "'You'll waken everybody in the house.' "'What's that to me?' said the little man. "'You have had your frolic. Now I've a mind to be merry myself.' And he began again singing and shouting as loudly as he could. The woodman and his wife, being awakened by the noise, peeped through a crack in the door. But when they saw the wolf was there, you may well suppose that they were terribly frightened, and the woodman ran for his axe and gave his wife a scythe. "'Now you stay behind,' said the woodman, "'and when I have knocked him on the head, do you cut him open with the scythe?' Thumbling heard all this and said, "'Father, father, I am here. The wolf has swallowed me.' And his father said, Heaven be praised, we have found our dear child again. And he told his wife not to use the scythe, for fear she should hurt him. Then he aimed a great blow and struck the wolf on the head, and killed him on the spot. And when he was dead, they cut open his body and set Thumbling free. Ah, said the father, what fears we have had for you. Yes, father, answered he, I have travelled all over the world since we parted, in one way or another, and now I am very glad to get fresh air again. Why, where have you been? said the father. I have been in a mouse hole, in a snail shell, down a cow's throat, and inside a wolf, and yet here I am again, safe and sound. Well, said they, we will not sell you again for all the riches in the world. So they hugged and kissed their dear little son, and gave him plenty to eat and drink, and fetched new clothes for him, for his old ones were quite spoiled on his journey. End of Thumbling End of My Book of Favourite Fairy Tales By Captain Edric Radenberg